Wow. Hallelujah. Wow. God is good. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Lord has some mighty things planned for this church. Hallelujah. He's already done mighty things. He's got even mightier things. Hallelujah. If you believe that, let me hear amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord has a mighty message for you guys here tonight. So if you're excited for it, let me hear amen. Amen. All right. Cool. 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 All right. So let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians. You guys already heard it once. You're going to hear it again. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10. And we'll read this all together and then I shall pray. All right. So reading from the ESV. One, two, three. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that. That God, you are good. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our Father in heaven. Holy is your name, God. We just exalt you in this place, Lord God. Oh, Father God, we just declare, Lord God, that, that this is a church, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this is a church where, Father, your kingdom is coming, Lord. And it is expanding, Father God, out of this church and into soul, Father God. And we thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that, Father God, that... Lord, you're raising up a mighty army here at New Philadelphia Church, Lord. Father God, you're not raising up just a group of believers, Lord. You're not raising up people that just go to church, Lord. You're raising up people who know who they are, God. An army of mighty warriors, Lord, with a purpose and a call, Lord, to transform this nation, to transform the nations, Lord God, for your glory, Lord. And we thank you for that, God. Father God, I pray that tonight, Lord... That, Father, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come in the knowledge of you, Father God. That, Lord, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, Lord. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come. You would come right now and rest upon each and every person in this room, Lord. That, Father God, that our minds, Lord God, would be open and ready, Lord, to receive your word. Our hearts would be open and ready, Lord. That tonight, God, you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind to conceive what you have already prepared for us, Lord. Reveal it to us by your spirit tonight. Word. And Father God, right now, Lord, I just take authority over every work of distraction. (laughs) Lord God, I just bind it and I loosen it right now, Lord God, off of this off of this place and off of your people. Lord God, I just take authority right now, Lord God, against every religious spirit. Lord God, I just take authority over it and I bind it right now, Lord God. I fracture and break it off your people, Lord God. Break it off the minds of your people right now in Jesus name. That, Lord God, when the truth comes, Lord, the truth would set people free in this place, Lord God. It would give us new revelation, Lord. So, Father God, we just pray, Lord, that you would just anoint this message, anoint my lips, Lord. That, Father, I would speak the words that you have commanded me to speak tonight. Nothing more, nothing less, Lord. And that your people, Lord, would be encouraged, edified, comforted, and just empowered tonight. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you guys in here have a dream? How many of you guys have a dream? Raise your hand if you have a dream. Yeah, I know it's like funny, like I'm standing up here talking about having a dream and everything. Like, you know, it's like racially it's pretty funny and everything. How many of you guys have a dream? Raise your hand. Let me see. Most of you. That's good. How many of you guys want to do something mediocre for the name of Jesus? Raise your hand. Thank you that none of you raised your hand. How many of you guys feel that God's calling you to do something amazing? Hallelujah. See, tonight, the message that the Lord has placed upon my heart is about speaking to that truth. That each one of us, were destined to do amazing things. That God has called each one of us, not to the mediocre, not to the just good enough, not to the okay, I'll just, you know... He's calling us to greatness. That God isn't just calling us to go to church. He's not calling us just to to spend to read our Bible and pray. Not just that. He's not calling us just to be good Christians. He's calling us to be great. He's calling us to be a people 
that take that greatness and we transform the nations. We transform everyone around us. We transform the city. We transform the world. He's calling us to be great. If you believe that you're great, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm great. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to do amazing things for Jesus. See, we all, we all are destined to do amazing things. God has given each one of us dreams. He's given us a calling. He's given us a destiny inside of our hearts that he's placed in each one of us to go and do amazing things. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, it says that God has set eternity upon each one of our hearts. That eternity is not just, you know, being saved. It's not that. It's God's purposes, His plans, His, the call of heaven, the beauty of heaven written upon your heart that God has placed. He's placed it inside of you. The call from heaven, the beauty of heaven, eternity, He's written it upon your hearts. And that eternity is the destiny that the Lord has put you to, to be great. You know, in the church, a lot of times we don't like to talk about being great. We don't like to talk about ourselves even being destined to be great. But if you look in the Bible, the disciples, they themselves, they wanted to be great. When Jesus was talking and they were like, come on, teacher, which who's the greatest? Who's, the, who's going to be the greatest? And then Jesus turned to him and in in the scripture you see that Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He just changed their way of thinking about it, right? He said, he who wants to be greatest in the kingdom must first be servant, right? You got to be a servant to all, right? See, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. And that's what I hope you get from this tonight as well, is that there's nothing wrong with you wanting to be great. There's nothing wrong with the the desires and the passions that God's placed in your heart. You wanting to see those things fulfilled. A lot of times, like even myself, when I became a Christian, the first thing I thought is I had to give up all my dreams. And that's not the case. See, God's not calling you to give up your dreams. He's wanting to sanctify them, glorify them, and just use them in a mighty way. He's wanting to bring those dreams to reality. See, What we need is we need a new revelation of who we are, who Jesus is, what he came to do and what that means for this earth, what that means in terms of the kingdom. And it means declaring gold. That's the title of this message, declaring gold. Okay, I'm going to explain what that means right now. It just it doesn't make any sense. Right. Declaring gold. Everyone say declaring gold. See, God is calling us to be a people that look to the gold in in ourselves and in the people around us. Chris Ballantin said it like this. He said, the true prophetic is declaring the gold amongst the dirt in people's lives. That when we walk into a place and we, we look to speak to people and we see people, we're not trying to convict them and tell them of all the dirt in their lives. That's not the way Jesus even looks at us. Jesus doesn't look at you and see all the dirt. He looks at you and he sees the gold. Like he was saying, the true prophetic is declaring that gold that is hidden in us. In the scripture, it talks about there being gold that is hidden within us, right? We all know about how God has hidden this treasure, right? In jars of clay. We all know that, right? We talk about it all the time. That God has hidden treasure in these jars of clay so that people would know that this all-surpassing power is not from us, right? It's from God. But see, the point is not that you keep that treasure, you keep that gold, that all-surpassing power deep within. See, what God wants to do is God wants to take that treasure that, that is hidden deep inside of you, that gold that is hidden in you, and He wants to bring it to the surface. God wants to take that eternity in your heart He wants to bring it to the surface and release it on the earth. He wants to take that gold and bring it to the surface that it will shine. You know, Jesus talked about letting your light shine before men. 
He said, don't cover it up, but let it shine so that they would see you and then they would praise your Father. See, we have to be a church, a culture even, that gets really good at taking that all-surpassing power, taking that gold, and bringing it to the surface. That's what the kingdom's about. It's not, it's not just about the signs and the wonders. It's about seeing the gold in people and bringing it to the surface. So that then people will be empowered to go out and multiply the kingdom somewhere else. To bring it somewhere else. See, it's not just good at, at just having the all-surpassing power, right? We all know about the all-surpassing power. We're, we're a church that knows all about the Holy Spirit. We all pray in tongues. We, you know, we sha-la-la. We do it. We do it all. We know about the power. We get hit with the glory. We're on the ground. You know, everything. You know, we have fun. But it's not just about experiencing that all-surpassing power. It's not even just about preaching about it. But it's about taking it and revealing it to the world. And see, what I'm trying to get at is that this all-surpassing power, it's not just... It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's the giftings, the talents, the dreams and desires that God has given you. God is wanting to take that and bring it to the surface. So that then the way that God has specially crafted you, the way that he has made you to be, can be released upon the earth. That each one of you, how you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God's wisdom and glory will be shown through you. That you would expand the kingdom in that way. In your own specific way. See, we got to be a people that understand how to take our potential and then release it. See, for myself personally, I've always struggled with that. My entire life, everyone's told me that I have a lot of potential. You ever heard that? Like people come to you and like, you have a lot of potential. And after a while, you get tired of hearing about it. Like, oh, Marcus, you know what? You got a lot of potential. I'm like, everyone's been telling me that like the past 24 years of my life. I'm wondering when I'm going to realize it. You know, like everyone comes to you and tells you you have a lot of potential. But see, the thing about the potential is potential is what you have before anything happens. Like potential energy, kinetic energy. I didn't pay that much attention. But, you know, in science class. But like potential energy, right, is like if you have a ball at the top of a hill, right? Right, John Michael? Okay, all right. Sorry, John Michael. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Samos. Thank you, Samos. It's like when you have a ball at the top of the hill, right? And potential is what the ball can do, right? It's possible that the ball can roll down the hill and do something great, right? Hey, hey, come on, let's encourage Samo. She knows what potential energy is, all right? <laughs> but let's not get wrapped up in knowing potential energy because the point is, is that we all have potential, but it's about taking that potential and making it kinetic. It's about taking that potential and making it reality. That you're not always what you can be or what you should be, but you just are. You get what I'm trying to say? Like that you're not standing around wanting, you know what, God, I really one day would really like to touch the nations. Lord, I'd really, really, Lord God, I'd really want to be used to see my family's salvation. I'd really, Lord, you know, I'd really just like to to even evangelize to that person right there. But maybe next time. No, but that you would be a person that does it. You would be a person that realizes it. That's what God has for each one of us. He doesn't want us to be just people of potential. He didn't put an all-surpassing power in you so that it would just stay there. What would be the point? He wants it to be released. But how? How do we get how do we go to our potential? And so we're going to we're going to take it multimedia style. We're going real multimedia today. I got a PowerPoint. How do we go to our potential? Wow, our church cheers for PowerPoints. 
The first thing you need is you need a revelation of who Jesus is. If you want that potential to become kinetic, the first thing you need is you need a revelation of who Jesus is. John 8.32 says, let's all read it together. One, two, three. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's stop right there. Pastor Christian preached about that on Sunday, right? That truth isn't a teaching. That truth isn't, isn't knowledge. It's not for you to know more, but it's for you to know him. That you know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, we need a revelation of Jesus because once Jesus comes into our situations, once Jesus comes into our lives, he doesn't simply bring salvation, but restoration. He, he puts us back into alignment with the kingdom. Let's all, let's all open up and turn to Matthew 4. <coughs> and Pastor Myungwon preached about, preached from this passage last week, but I wanna, I wanna kinda expand upon it as well. Because when Jesus walks into the picture, when Jesus comes in, you're not, you're no longer ordinary. Jesus comes in to take you from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Amen? All right, so let's look at verse 18 to, 18 to 20. I'm just going to read through it. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. That's important. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. That's important. It's Jesus. <laughs> Verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed them. So Jesus is walking by the beach and he sees these, he sees these fishermen, right? And Pastor Myungwa already preached about it la- last week. So you guys already know the story. But Jesus walks up to these men. And these men are fishermen. They're fishermen and they're casting their net. They're casting their nets. And Jesus walks up to them. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then they drop their nets and they follow him, right? One thing I was wondering, why does Jesus say fishers of men? Why? Why would Jesus, Jesus could say, follow me and I will make you ministers. Follow me and I'll make you my disciples. Follow me and do that. Why would Jesus say fishers of men? And the, the reason why is because. If you if you listen to me for a second, the reason why is because God had always meant for them to be fishers. See, God had always purposed for them to be fishers. Probably in that that historical context, right? They only did what they saw the father doing. They only did what they saw their father doing. Not the father, but their father. And in that historical context as well, you you only end up doing a trade if you're not smart enough to continue in school, right? These guys, they they probably knew that they weren't going to be, they weren't going to be disciples of a rabbi. They knew that, right? They knew that, that they were going to be just fishers. Fishermen. But what I'd like, I'd like to have you ponder and maybe think is that God had always spoke to their hearts that they would be fishers. But then when they were born and they were born into this world and they were born into the world's standard and the world's way of doing things. The only way that you can make sense in your heart of being a fisher. I have this call of being a fisher. How do I do it? Well, I guess I just become a fisherman. So Jesus walks up to them and they're casting their nets, right? They're working as hard as they can using the world's tools to accomplish a call that God had given them. But how many of you guys know that you can't accomplish a divine calling with the world's tools? That divine calling that God's placed in your heart, you cannot accomplish with the world's tools. But when they had this revelation of Jesus, Jesus comes in and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You'll no longer be fishermen. I'll make you who you're supposed to be. I'll restore you to your right calling to be fishers of men. They were always fishers. But once Jesus comes into the picture, he brings them into alignment with the true call from heaven. It's this, 
its original intent. It's when the calling and the things that God has placed upon our hearts. When we're here in the world, we try and accomplish that calling with the world's tools, don't we? That dream that God has has placed upon your heart, you try and accomplish it with the world's tools. In my heart, I've always wanted to, to go to go to different nations. Even before I was a Christian, that's why I wanted to do international law. And I thought, okay, well, I, if I can do that, then I'll be, hey, I'll be able to travel. I'll be able to do international law. I'll still be able to help people. And I'll, I'll make a lot of money. Okay, cool. But it still didn't feel right until a revelation of Jesus came in. And now what he's doing is he's, he's restoring my life back to the true call. When we have a revelation of Jesus, when Jesus steps into the picture, he brings that desire into alignment with heaven. If you get what I'm saying, let me hear an amen. amen. See, it's God intends for you to have a revelation of your true purpose. That you would have a revelation of your original intent, not of your worldly intent, not of the, the things that the world has placed upon you, of how you would meet your dreams. And make your dreams a reality. But that you would go back to the original intent. Of who God has called you to be. The word says he formed our inward parts. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. To Jeremiah. He said to Jeremiah. I knew you. I knew you before then. And I appointed you prophet to the nations. If God did it with Jeremiah. Surely he's done it with us. He's placed that, that purpose in each one of us. And he's seeking now, Jesus wants to put it in direct alignment with what the kingdom had in store, what heaven had. See, it's funny, Pastor Christian was talking about dominion, because when you go back to original intent, everyone turn to Genesis 1, 26 to 28. I have to rush through it. Let's try and get through as quickly as possible. I'll just go ahead and read it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. And then, and then God goes on about what, we'd have, what man would have dominion over. And then if you keep going to verse 28, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That original intent is for us to have dominion. That us, for us to bring in that kingdom dominion. The word says in, in the book of Daniel that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That the kingdom is about dominion. That each one of us are meant, we're made in God's image. God has made us in a way to extend his dominion on this earth. To extend his dominion in the seven mountains. To extend his dominion in each and every place that we're called. That we would be fruitful and multiply. And that it wouldn't just be a natural thing, but it would be a supernatural one. Because God's made us for that. You know, Jesus didn't walk around and say to everyone, just be happy. I'm here now. You're saved. Be happy. All right, I'll see you later. You know, Jesus didn't walk up to the, to the fishermen. He didn't walk up to them and say, hi, you guys are doing well. I really like your trout. You're doing a great job. Here I am. I'm Jesus. See me. Believe in me. Okay, I'll see you when you die. All right, bye. He didn't do that, did he? No, Jesus didn't tell the fishermen, that's great that you guys fish. That's great. Keep up the fishing chips. Keep it, and then I'll see you later. He didn't do that. No, Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm not going to step into your life and then tell you to just stay where you're at. I'm calling you to greater. And... I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with fish and chips or culinary skills. Sorry, Caleb, I ain't trying to insult you. Because, see, the calling that, that God's given us, say, say God's placed upon your heart to, to cook. When Jesus steps into the picture, he's not calling you to just to sit there and continue cooking the rest of your life. But maybe if you have this dream to start a restaurant, he wants you to go. And when Jesus steps in, Jesus multiplies it. You don't just have one restaurant, you have franchises. And then it's not just franchises, but then when people come into the restaurant, 
People are getting blessed. They're getting encouraged. You may even have people getting healed because they walk into your fish and chips restaurant because Jesus is there. I don't know about you. That's what I want to see happen in Itaewon. Yeah, we want to see the Mr. Kebab store owner saved so that then people would come in there and they would have an experience not just of a kebab, but of the kingdom. Double K, K squared. Come on. So what we need, (laughs) what we need is double K. Come on. Come on. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on. But what we need is we need, it's not just a revelation of Jesus. Because a lot of us, we know Jesus and that's, and it stops there. But we need a further revelation. We need to expand our territory inside. We need to expand our capacity and renew our minds and have a revelation of, next slide, a revelation of who you are. You need a revelation of who you are. It's not just enough to have a revelation of Jesus, but you need to have a revelation of who you are in light of Jesus. Because once you have that revelation of who you are in light of who Jesus is and what he has done, that illuminates your talents, releases your callings, and produces people that change the world for Jesus. And we need this because the world is waiting for us. Romans 8.19 says, For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for us to realize who we are. And for it to be revealed. Not just for us to have a knowledge of it, but for it to be revealed. And we need to have that revelation. See, we need to, we need to know who we truly are. We need to understand that we have value. See, what happens when you have a revelation of who Jesus is, is and you have a revelation of who you are in light of Jesus you begin to understand that you have value. Everyone say that. Say, I have value. value. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him. Tell him you have value. Say it boldly. Check it out. Deuteronomy 7, 6. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. We are his treasured possession. You realize that? You are his treasured possession? Ephesians 2.10, we already read it. For we are his workmanship. It means God's creation. It means a working by his hands, a divine creation. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When it's talking about good works, it's not just talking about going to do good things. It's talking about good works in a standard in which God talks about good. Not natural things, supernatural things. Which he has created in advance for you to do. you got to understand you have value and you're destined for greatness. Matthew. Let's all turn to Matthew 13. And we're going to try and go through this because there's different parables in Matthew 13 and we all know them. But see, what's happened is as we read the Bible, a lot of times religion creeps in. And instead of us understanding that God is wanting to illuminate who we are, we read it as God telling us what not to do. And if you live, if you live by what I'm not supposed to do and what I'm supposed to do, you'll you'll never make it. It's not by works. But if you live by who you are, by, by the grace of God, then it's a different story. All right, Matthew 13, everyone there? All right, so we'll go through really quickly. The parable of the sower, right? We all know that parable. A sower went out to sow and he threw out different seed, right? He threw it out on, what was the first time, first one he threw it on? Parable of the sower, Matthew 13. He threw it on the path. What was the second one? Rocky ground. What happened to it after that? Immediately it sprang up, but it scorched and it withered away. The next one, he threw it upon the what? He threw it upon the what? You guys can all read. He threw it upon the thorns. All right. And then after that, it, the thorns, it grew up and it choked 
out the seed, right? And then next, what he did is he threw it on the good soil. And it produced a harvest, right? 130, 60 fold. So many times we read this parable and we say, Okay, Lord, I'm not going to be the rocky soil. I'm going to, I'm not going to be the rocky soil. I'm going to have a, a good root. And Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like the thorns. You know, I'm not going to let the world choke away everything, Lord. I'm going to be good soil. I'm going to be good soil. But if you read in the context of what Jesus was saying, that's not what Jesus was saying at all. Jesus was trying to tell the disciples who they truly were. You keep reading. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them? Not to us. Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them to you, to the disciples. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For the, to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. See, if you know who you are, you are always in a a good position to receive more. If you don't know who you are, you are in a position to have everything taken away. He's talking, he's not talking about what they do. He's talking about identity. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Skip down to verse 16. But blessed are your ears, speaking to the disciples, for they see, for they see in your ears, for they hear. And then when Jesus starts to explain it, what is the first thing he says? Hear then, he's making a distinction between the people of the world and the disciples. They hear and they don't understand, but you, you receive the, you receive the secrets of the kingdom. He's trying to show them a difference between themselves in the world hear then the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom everyone say kingdom Kingdom. you you believe in the kingdom more than that everyone say kingdom. kingdom there we go and does not understand it jesus made a point about understanding it he just the second ago the point of contention right before that was that the people of the world don't understand but his people do But he keeps going. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what's been sown on the path. As for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yay. Yet he has no root in himself. Does he say no root in Jesus? Does he say no root in the word? No, what does he say? No root in himself he doesn't know who he is but endures for a while and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word immediately he falls away as for what was sown among the thorns this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitful of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful this is a person who has sown themselves in the world they find their identity in the world Therefore, giving them the word proves unfruitful. But then he keeps going and he says, as for the one who hears the word and understands it. He's talking about his disciples. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60 and in another 30. He just told them in verse 16, blessed are your ears for you hear and you see. As for the one who hears the word and understands it, that's the disciples. That's us. We bear fruit and yield 160, 30 fold. He keeps on. He goes to the parable of the weeds and he tells this parable of the weeds, right? He talks about the good seed. And then he goes and gives another parable, the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. He's talking about us. We are that mustard seed. He's saying that we have that potential to grow into a tree bigger than anything else. It's bigger than what it seems like. He's saying that's the potential in you and that's who you're destined to be. You're destined to become a tree that is larger than all the garden plants. 
he gives him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaving that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaving. He's saying that we are that. That God has sowed us into this world that we would not stay in our place, but we would make it all leavened or leavened or however you pronounce it. He's saying that's the potential. That's who you are. He's trying to speak to the disciples as to their kingdom value. He's trying to speak to you as to what your worth is. That you are that good seed. That you are of much value. And you have the potential, not just the potential, but you will produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. That what he sows does not fail. (coughs) See, we need a revelation of who we are if we are to bring out the kingdom. If we, are, if we are going to manifest it in other places. We need to know that we are that good seed. But so many times religion comes in and it tells you that you can't do it. That you need to do more. You need to do less. But that's not what Jesus was saying in these parables. He was saying, you are the good seed. You are the good soil. You are that mustard seed. Because you are with me, you have the potential. Not just the potential, but you will you will shake up the world. Do you believe that? See, (coughs) what has happened a lot of times is that when we get in such a religious mindset that we focus on what we shouldn't do rather than who God is saying that we are. And, you know, it it is harder to live down to something in the kingdom than it is to live to live up. If you know that you're a prince... It's harder for you to live down to sin than if you believe you're a sinner and try to live up to being a prince. If you believe that you're a sinner, Chris Vallotton said it like this. He said, if you believe you're a sinner, you will sin by faith. Because you'll always be looking to that sin. And what you behold, you become. But if you believe you're a prince... You believe you're a child of the Most High. You believe that God has seated you in heavenly places. If you believe that you are seated up high, then things below, things, they're down low. They're under your feet. Therefore, it's harder for you to go down than it is for you to go up. You look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right? It's this passage about sexual immorality. We all know it, right? We've all probably read it before. He talks about flee from sexual immorality. And then at the very end of that passage, he says to them, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So many times we read that passage and we focus on the sin. We focus on the sexual immorality. We focus on the sins in these passages. And we say, man, I shouldn't do that. I got to make sure not to do that. I got to make sure not to do that. I got to make sure not to do that. That wasn't Paul's point at all. Paul's point was that you were bought with a price. That Jesus bought you. First Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19 says you were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, who is like a pure and perfect lamb. You are bought with a price. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. Paul is saying, you're bought with a price. Why live down to that? Jesus is trying to tell us and restore us to who we are. And then we won't worry about those other things. We won't live down to those things. It's about that gold inside of you. Being brought to the surface. Because if you realize that that gold, that that's who you are and those dreams and things are at the top. You won't, you won't even give a thought to those things that are trying to hinder you. A lot of times, what do we say is hindering our dreams? What we do, what we don't do. We don't do enough of this. We need to do more of this. But we are not a people that are called to do. We are called a people. We are people who are called to be. Be a prince. Be a princess. Be royalty. 
and then the rest will take care of itself. You will do the rest naturally. For a lot of us, it's hard to to understand this notion of being royalty. But see, it's like this. I was walking to the bus stop today and the Lord was just speaking to me about about royalty. And he was saying like, you know, Marcus, religion comes in and it tells you that because there is a greater king, how dare you think of yourself as royalty? How dare you think of yourself as a prince? Jesus is the prince. How dare you think of yourself as royalty? Jesus is the one true royalty. How dare you think of yourself that way? But like no one goes up to Queen Elizabeth and says, you know, Queen Elizabeth, this is like assuming she would be a Christian, right? I don't know her her religious background. No one goes up to her and says, you know, Queen Elizabeth, Jesus is the king of kings. How dare you be a queen? How dare you believe you're a queen? How dare you wear all this gold and, and wrap yourself with all this fine clothing? How dare you do that? How dare you? How dare you act like a queen? There's only one true king. How dare you act like a queen? But we treat ourselves that way. Like no one goes up to Barack Obama and says, Barack, how dare you act like you're a king? How dare you act like the president? There's only one true king. How dare you ride around in these limos? You should be in a Ford Pinto. Humble yourself. Like no one goes up to Barack Obama and says, humble yourself. You need to humble yourself. Make yourself low, Barack. Make yourself low, Queen Elizabeth. But we do that to we do that to one another and we do that to ourselves. I need to make myself low. I need to treat myself like I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I got to humble myself. <laughs> but just because there is a greater king does not demean your status of royalty. Just because there's a greater king does not demean your status of royalty. You got to understand your value. We suppress our dreams because we don't believe they're worth it. We don't believe that our dreams have weight. But you are royalty. The call that God has given to you and placed in your heart He values. It is treasure to him. It is an eternity that he's written upon your heart and he wants to be released upon the world. And so that's the second thing. We need a revelation of who we are. And the last thing is we need to not just get this revelation, not just to get the revelation of who Jesus is, not just to get the revelation of who we are, But we need to be the revelation. That we need to understand that we are people of significance. Jason Ma said this quote. It's funny we're talking about Jason Ma. Being a person of significance means you live for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. But not bigger than the next person in front of you. See, a lot of times when we preach about this, people, they get confused and they're saying, what are you saying? You're saying I should be prideful? You're saying I should walk around and be... You know, stick my chest out. I'm royalty. Get out of my face. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you need to understand your worth so that then you can speak life into other people. You can only give away what you have. Therefore, you need to have a revelation of what you have. Ephesians 1 says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. But when we pray for people, we act like we're unworthy. We can't do it. Like we don't have anything to give away. When we see people on the subway, we act like we don't have anything to give away. But God has placed us in the kingdom. He has placed us in such positions of royal authority for such a time as this. That we would give it away and be that revelation. And so that we would take it and love the people in front of us. That we would give it away. This destiny, this gold inside is not for ourselves. It's not that we would achieve greatness for the sake of greatness. 
A lot of times, if you just get focused on just being great for the sake of being great, you fracture everything around you. You fracture all the relationships around you. You fracture everything around you. But the vision, the dreams that God has given you, the people around you are not vehicles to serve your vision. Your vision is a vehicle to serve the people. The things that God has placed in your heart are things that he's given to you to release on the earth to change the world. Not just for you to have it, right? See, Jesus, he showed us that. He showed us what having the revelation, yet being that revelation, looked like in his relationship with the disciples. And it was about valuing people. It was about seeing the gold in himself and then seeing the gold in the people around him. The Pharisees criticized Jesus because he hung around with the tax, collect- tax collectors and the prostitutes. But why did he do that? He's because he saw the value in them. It's not that you would just have the revelation, that you would just know who you are. But then the next step is that you would love other people, that you would see the value in them and call them to greatness as well. <coughs> Everyone turn to John 13. if I can get there. I'm not going to read through it all because I don't have much time. I don't have much time left. But this is the passage where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and we read this passage. And yes, it is. It is a passage that is calling us to be humble. It is a, to to serve one another in humility. But if you really think about what Jesus was doing there. Jesus was showing them value. He was showing the disciples that he valued them, that he treasured them. And then he was calling them to go and do it to other people. I mean, think about it for yourself. If we just lined up a number of chairs in here and we all sat up here and then Jesus came in and washed our feet, how would you feel? You feel pretty special, right? See, that was the point. It wasn't just to set an example of lowering yourself, but lowering yourself to give other people value. To honor someone else. See, Jesus said, he even said that, do you understand what I have done to you? Verse 12, verse 13 now. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. But if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. If Jesus, being Lord, can value and show honor and value to his disciples, then he's saying that we need to do the same to one another. And when you do that, what it does is it it releases encouragement, edification, comfort. It builds people up to reach their destinies. When you value people. What leads people to repentance is not saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. It's the kindness of the Lord. It's kindness. When you walk up to someone who is in deep sin and you tell them they're a sinner, it's not new revelation. But if you walk up to them and you tell them that they are loved and they are valued, that someone paid a hefty price for them, man, That'll show them where they're actually sitting in the life they're living in comparison. You're a prince. You're a child of the Most High. Why are you then? This lifestyle is worth giving up. And the way we can do that amongst one another is by encouragement. You know, Brady's dad, Paul, talked about encouragement. And as I thought about encouragement, I thought about how the verse that came up was Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That when we use our, our speech and when we seek to build each other up, it has a profound impact in people. It brings the gold to the surface. 
and it releases them into their giftings. Now I'm going to re- read from Romans 12, 6 to 8 because I want to make this connection. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. When you know who you are and you have that revelation of who you are and the dreams and the callings that God has given you. God is then calling you to value other people that it may give grace to them. Why? Verse 6 of Romans 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving... The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That when you give grace to people, it magnifies the gifts in them. Because the gifts they've been given have been according to grace. So we need to learn to give grace to one another. To value each other. To value ourselves. And to value one another. And to speak to the gold. In one another's lives. And not the dirt. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that. Father God, when you look at each one of us, Lord, you do not see the dirt, Lord, but you see the gold. And we thank you, Father God, that when your son Jesus comes into our lives, that he sees the gold amongst each one of us as well. And he draws that gold to the surface that we would no longer walk in the patterns of this world, Lord. But that, Father God, we would be renewed, Lord. We would be renewed and brought into alignment with your purposes for us in heaven, Lord. That your will would be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Father God, we pray, Lord, that you would, you would help to continue to renew our minds, Lord. That we would have a revelation of who we are, God, in you. That we would learn how to speak to the value, speak to the gold in each one of our hearts, Lord. And draw it to the surface, Lord. That we would be great, Father God, not... For our sake, Lord God, but because you've placed these dreams and these desires upon us for a purpose, Lord. That your kingdom, Lord, would expand upon this earth. So, Lord, we ask for just greater grace upon us, Lord. And a greater revelation, Lord, of your love. Thank you, Father, and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.